Tanse kewa, sikona chak msigasun, ego atakugo puchinia. I am your host, Sikona Chak, which translates as Spring Spirit, which is also the reason why this podcast is called Spring Spirit Nation. Welcome to Spring Spirit Nation. My name is Sikona Chak, and I'm very happy that you're here today. Today, we're going to Hawaii and um, presenting Christopher Olivier. Did I get that right, Christopher? Close, close. close. Olivier. <laughs> Olivier. <laughs> how are you and how are things in Hawaii today? Um, fantastic. Nice. Sunny as always. Maybe about 80 degrees. Beautiful. We woke up to snow. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's good weather. Good weather in Hawaii. Managing the beauty of rolling time. Yes. It, that's a translation of concept that we have in Waianae. Actually, it's more of Oahu. Uh, people don't really know because our history is taught from Kamehameha on forward. But prior to that, like the 1700s, there were distinct island tribes or what they call kingdoms. On our island, we had a specific resource management system that we used, and it's called Ka'ananiel. Uh, mm-hmm. Translated, it means to manage the beauty of rolling time. So the um, word Ka'ananiel can be kind of broken up. Uh, the first word is Ka'a. With dual meanings in this word, feminine, it means like cycles, like the rolling north, as well as like the moon cycles going around this cyclical nature. It also means to manage the masculine sense of the word. Uh, and then when we look at the word uh, nani, nani meaning uh, beautiful. Uh, often we place that on the image of people, but we're talking more like about the heavens. And the heavens word is lani. Uh, those words are kind of connected, yeah, inextricably connected. And the final word uh, is au, meaning uh, infinity or time, long time. <laughs> also, uh, it means a channel. And the most, I think, important meaning for the word au is the pronoun I. All of these things are kind of seen in one way. So it's managing the beauty of time, our time that we have here. What does land-based learning look like in Hawaii? I think learning in general, we would have to kind of define because our systems of education now, we don't do much learning, really. Uh, it's a lot of input uh, and remembering something and more programming than learning, yeah? Uh, so, well, maybe in old Hawaii, learning was more of a process of living. And within this process, you would watch, observe, and you would do. In Hawaiian, we have a saying called makahana kaike. In the doing, we learn. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, in today's Western world, we kind of learn in the classroom and then go and practice it out in the real world. If we go and practice it out in the real world and, and what we call failures is actually the learning process. Uh, in Hawaii, our education system prior to our overthrow. Actually, can I say something really quick before I go into this? Sure. Uh, today is our Independence Day. We call it Lakuokoa, the day that we stood different. Uh, In 1848, uh, our kingdom was recognized by the League of Nations and other countries through uh, treaties that made us an independent nation. Most people know about the overthrow holiday, about our queen being overthrown, but most people don't know that in 1848, we had a nation state status within the international world that existed at the time. I'm talking post office and embassies in multiple countries. So before I go forward and what we were talking about, I'd just like to... uh, Mm -hmm. Let everybody know that today, November 28th, is 
uh, what we call Laku Okoa, um, the day that sovereignty was gained by our king, uh, Kamehameha III. So back to where I was at. What I was saying again, I'm sorry. We were, we're going talking about land-based learning in yeah. Hawaii. Land-based learning. Uh, first of all, we should say that in all cultures, land-based learning is the foundation. I mean, you have to live somewhere, right? This planet is our foundation of everything that we even conceive. So without that as the structure, you're not going to get to the truth. Oftentimes, that's probably why we see so much dysfunction and disruption in the world, because mm -hmm. we're out of harmony with how things are actually going to be. Like I said earlier, we do more programming for our kids than actually learning. In Hawaii, the word for learning we use is called a'o. Uh, that's a translation, but a'o is a'o. Uh, it more means enlightenment or to become aware of something. Like an idea would be like a manao, which comes from the words mana and ao. Yeah, the power in in your perspective, in in your uh, consciousness, uh, versus just the way we translate it loosely. Yeah, so it's more enlightenment. We we pull out what's naturally within the person, and that comes through experience on land. Most times now, because our world is so structured and created. And not natural in many ways. It's, it's natural according to how we created the world, but it's of our own creation. And that not being aligned with how we see things now, even the land-based education learning we do have in Hawaii, I don't really think encompasses what we really need to be teaching. I'll say it like this. We often take our, our children, even adults, we take anybody who's learning and we put them into this older situation as and we'll be like, okay, let's go and plant kalo and we'll learn our culture from there and we'll learn how to be sustainable. And in one way, yes, you do. But unless you abstract those concepts into the world we live in today, I mean, that's only going to go so far. We're siloed, I want to say. I think more important to land-based education is, is we need to get our philosophies right, our worldview right, and deprogram ourselves before we can even address it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that was awesome. I'm sorry, I, I, it's not even as clear as I would want to uh, say what I mean. It's kind of a bigger topic than that for me. But I'll go with what we're doing now. Uh, last year, I was blessed to finally publish five children's books for a charter school, Kamaile Academy. Uh, and these books are strictly based on the Wahipana within our community. Our intent in doing this was to engage our children in reading through things that they can actually go out and see and understand and experience. Learning doesn't happen without what we call ike. Ike means knowledge. Uh, ike also means sight, which translates both ways. Uh, but when you look at it strictly the Kanaka perspective, you really can't know anything unless you kind of experience, right? Books can't mm -hmm. teach. Words don't teach. They have uh, what they call it the Sapir Warp hypothesis, mm -hmm. where they talk about um, culture influencing language and language influencing culture and that dichotomy they create, there's a foundation beneath that. Uh, language and culture is based on our environment. Yeah. So when we looked at the people in Big Island, the Kanaka in Big Island, their environment was much different than the people on, on Oahu. They had an active volcano. You saw the people in Maui. The environments influence our language, influence our culture, and influences everything that we do. Land is just a piece of environment. 
that's what I wanted to say earlier too about land-based education. We silo land out of the whole environment. Land's only a patch in the quilt of education, not the blanket. You know, there's so much more to learn. We should just, I, I feel we should be teaching land as the stage, the kahua, as our, our kupuna would call it. Mm-hmm. Where you look from. This is where you observe from. Sounds really good. So there's a very, very, very strong connection to language. Can you identify the mountain behind me and utilize that as an example? So that mountain's name is Kua Okala. Um, and also the point at the end of it, uh, which you can't really see all the way, uh, is called Kalai or Kalaau, or now we refer to that point as Kaena. It represents the phallic of our our deity Kane or the sun. I'll go past my uh, This was prior to man being involved. When we look at that, we see a story that's told, and it always has to do with sex, which now we really don't like to talk about sexuality. Everybody, it's really. I mean, mm-hmm. when we discuss sexuality in any terms, uh, I think a lot of it has to do is with the first thing a lot of us are taught, at least in the Western world, is, is we were born out of sin. You know, the dominant thought process is, is sex is something to be hidden. We don't recognize the value in these stories as it applies today. I'll give you an example. That mountain mm-hmm. uh, can be translated as the back of the sun. But unless you're there mm-hmm. at the experiencing it and seeing it, you'll never realize what they're actually talking about. The sun sets, and as its path moves from east to west, we're watching the back of the sun, very spatial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the process of the sun's movement, we're calling it the back of the sun. This meant the day and the life and rebirth. So when you come a little bit down from that, that beach next to it, it's called Kiava'ula. Muhe'e or um, cuttlefish that would come in a bay. And these definitions and stories were made after a very big political shift in Hawaii with Kamehameha taking over the islands. So you had Kanaka Maori placing their stories over older stories. For us mm-hmm. in the religious side of this, Keava'ula is talking about the Red Bay or the Sacred Bay, uh, which meant the feminine... And then you have the bay, which is the ula, it means red, right? The red bay. So this is where life happened. <clears throat> you know, when we look at our place name at life and through sexuality, it, it's a lot more clear. Now, when you come mm-hmm. forward from that, right behind you, that beach is called Makua, that whole section. And we can't Makua. see the valley, but there are three distinct valleys in Makua, right? Mm-hmm. And these valleys are Kahanahaiki, if everybody can remember that, maybe the replay. Uh, the middle valley is called Namakua. I wish I had a PowerPoint to put. And the <laughs> last valley is called Koiahi, right? Mm-hmm. And when you go to this valley in a season, all these place names describe mm-hmm. what happens in that environment and with those elements through which mountain peak. So when we look at Kahanahaiki, uh, that Kahana means to work or to labor. And Haiti or Haiki means uh, to breathe quickly. So when we look at that, we're talking about giving birth. Mm-hmm. Na Makua is the whole three valleys together. That means the parents. And then Ko'i Ahi, that means the Ahi or the beam of light of E, which represented the male fat. Mm-hmm. 
December 21st, the sun rises out of Ko'iahi and this beam of light hits into Kahanahaiki at this lowest uh, solstice and in, into this mountain. Mm -hmm. And this symbolized the rebirth of the next season and all of this. But so we look at the beauty of that and we don't realize how that affects us today and how we can use this kind of information today because we only look at the information itself. We don't look at the concept with it was named after. Mm -hmm. Most people don't realize that if you get lost and you follow the sun, you better know if you're like what time of the year it is because east isn't always east. It's high northeast and southeast. It's, it's really a different spectrum on our latitude. So now if you change latitude, that whole degree system changes as well. It might increase. Even that navigational understanding of our Puna knowing how the sun really managed a lot of our navigation, not just the stars, you know, and the time managing the beauty of this rolling season. It's cyclical, right? And it'll always repeat itself. See, but when we think it'll repeat itself, we try to recreate what existed then and recreate it in its full today. For the cloth of education that I come from, our concepts and philosophies are timeless, mm -hmm. yeah, are timeless. I would like to say this about land-based education. We were never land-bound. We were land-conscious. There's a big, big misunderstanding about how we viewed land. We were navigators. We traveled mm -hmm. the open sea in search for new land and not new land. We engaged with people around the Pacific, and might they not tell us this in education? I know this from meeting cultures that don't show up on National Geographic. Uh, the people mm -hmm. who still speak their language that Mexico is even named, it's not even Spanish, you know? Like we think a lot of this stuff is Latin and it's actually indigenous words they're using. You know, all of this. So like, we were never in bondage to our land. Mm -hmm. That was one of the biggest, fallacies that we were sold and bought really is that we are bound to this land. I was taught firmly that we are land conscious. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And in that uh, same statement, we're so free that we choose bondage. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> That's deep. That's very, yeah. very deep. That's that like, statement, we're so free. We choose the bondage. That's so deep. It's cosmic. That's yeah. how deep it is. Yeah. <laughs> Within that few short minutes, you took us around the world. Like I felt I went, I was everywhere when you were speaking. I was in Mexico, I was on the ocean. And um, so I can definitely feel the power in 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 that concept, land conscious. One time we were taking people out on a hike, and somebody asked the question, why do we worship rocks? Because in the Kane system the pohaku is highly worshipped and today it's still highly worshipped and we do a lot of ritual around it but we forget to teach why it's highly worshipped i i looked at the person i was like you got to look under your feet where are we living <laughs> like this is one ball of rock flying through the universe uh we're worshiping rocks in reverence to uh, the foundation that we understand the island is a canoe and the canoe is an island, yeah? 
and we're islands on an island on an island. People think we're alone when they use that statement. We're an island on an island, like we're by ourselves. No, I call it centered. When you put yourself in the middle of it all, there is no other provable center in this universe but I. Right? What we would like to call Aina, I would say, <laughs> from where I stand. Aina, I that's, that's the Hawaiian word for land. When we're looking at Hawaiian language, if we were to go to Hawaiian language class, mm -hmm. they would teach it as a very translatory sort of and transliterary sort of understanding. Uh, because they're teaching it with English as the basis of the person learning it. Mm -hmm. But English is an alphabetic language because it's a Creole language. English works at alphabetics because it's made up of Germanic, um, Latin, and Greek, and a bunch of immigrant and slave words within those grammars and syntax. Versus like a pure language like Hawaiian is very logographic, yet we're using letters and alphabets where we should be using logos for each sound. So when we're teaching like that, we misunderstand what we're talking about as language. Uh, for us, language is a description. All these sounds describe something. Mm -hmm. So we'll look at like the word kumu. <clears throat> we teach that it translates to teacher, it translates to a tree, and it translates to a source, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, it's correct in the meaning of the language, but not in the nature of those words. There's a difference, the meaning and the nature of things. Yeah, because you mean teacher when you say it. But the nature of those sounds in the real definition don't describe that. Yeah? Ku means to stand. Yeah, that's a big sound. And mu means to be silent. So when we look at a tree, what does it do? It stands silently. When we taught. And my teacher was my source, my kumu. There was no talking during that process of what we call learning. Mm -hmm. Your job was to pa'ahana, to, to, to do. Do, follow, we'll ask questions and answer after the hana is done, after the doing is done. Keep going, keep going uh, with that. I'm kind of going on tangent. I'm missing. Uh, I'm loving it. To talk about in one. Uh, what I like to say is, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine what an experience can do, though. A lot of this, what I'm saying, is full of holes. And to bring it back to a land-based sense of education, <clears throat> if we were here watching these processes happening, mm -hmm. there would be way less talking. You know, today's generation, we use credibility a lot. I mean, we lie on it. Mm -hmm. We rely on it. I'm using that in a very... <laughs> sarcastic way, uh, we lie and rely <laughs> on credibility. Like I said, the Hawaiian word to know, knowledge is ike, and knowledge is also the word for sight. Unless you can show me what you they told you, I gotta take it as a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. At this point in the world, we have so much technology, we should be able to verify everything we say academically. Every single thing that we say academically and we put forth in a PhD, it should be verifiable to a degree of accuracy of the technology that we have. Yet, no, I think the bar has dropped from the 1800s of education when we look at a lot of the work coming out. 
It's not substantive mm -hmm. enough to be educational to the people outside of the academic circle. You know, we do conferences for people who work in the field and we share knowledge in a closed loop system and expect change to happen. You know, a lot of indigenous knowledge people forget, they'll go cite a source in uh, Hawaiian and not go and cite the source, <laughs> not actually go to what the thing is telling you. So a lot mm -hmm. of that information that we read, we don't take it a step further and cite the source. Actually go and look what they where they went, hike up the mountain, go to the temple. Mm -hmm. And then when you do that, I still don't think you should write about it. If you really want to be academic and like very effective, you need season upon season at these places. That's mm -hmm. why I say land-based education is just a quilt in the blanket of our existence. You got to be there during the seasons because this year might be different from next year. You know, when I was Hanai by my coon, we said I had to live with him for 10 years. You know, so I lived with him in a house for eight years before I bought this place. Mm -hmm. And went outside and watched the movements of the stars and all the stories associated with the mountains over season and season and season. And now you start to see the unraveling of these stories not being myth. Um, they're so literal. Exactly the way the story is. Don't change anything about it. A lot right. of times, uh, and this is not the fault of anybody who's doing this now. This is just my opinion, by the way. I don't want to offend anybody if they are working in the system. What I'm critiquing is the system itself, not anybody that is within that system. But like, for, for example, like in Waianae, when we have chants here and the whole Hawaii translates and puts their mana'u on these chants, right? And in this world, it's beautiful. Everybody puts their perspective in. Everybody has a say. And oh, that's a new idea. Let's put that in. But this chants were not written in these this world. Mm -hmm. This chant was no by no means written in a world where everybody had a say. These chants were written in a world where nobody had a say, except for a very select few. Hmm. You know, we don't understand that. Mm -hmm. The concept in which we're translating this stuff isn't even the context in which it was taught. And the reason why it was not taught is because you have to be here season after season after season after season to really understand what one chance means. So that's why I say like land and culture, the chant and the mountain is nothing without a bigger pattern or environment. And another way we silo this education is we never draw indigenous education into our oppressors, what our oppressor taught us, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's beautiful, actually, when you do it. Because you'll find all of these concepts exist in its integrity, in the flat-out etymology of these words. When we look at mother and father, that those two words... We use this in the Western world to depict the most two important people to our existence. Yet we never go and define the root of where these words come from. Are those words really that important? No, not really. We use them so loosely now. We apply them as labels. 
these were descriptions even in other languages. We look at the word mother. It comes from the word madera or materna. Another word that's derived from that is matter, material. It's because women can make more life. And then we look at the word father. And like, well, what does father have to do with it? Which we're never in the situation. Almost we're treated as donors to the situation in this day and age. But when you look at the actual word where father, it didn't even come from a word with an F. It came a word with a P. You take a paternity test. It's the pattern. I mean, like it's right there in front of everybody to see and nobody's looking. We don't put the emphasis on the focus on the what's important because we're teaching in a system with a system that is not our own. This epistemology that we're going, a methodology, the pedagogy, whatever level you want to talk about it, the kumu, the foundation of that is not our own. Yeah, so mother being material and father being the pattern or the arrangement of that material. Right. Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. Like everything, everything that um, you're speaking about just all ties in with with everything, and then it, it expands out. It's like the barriers are down when when uh, when you speak about your inner being as a Hawaiian. Oh, Mahalo. Bless my kumu and thank my kumu. Uh, somebody came in my life and basically gave me a foundation to look from, really. It's the best way I can say it. When when I learned and trained under my kupuna, my kumu, Glenkila, I lived with him. It wasn't really what we do right now. I lived with him. I argued with him. I got scoldings from him. I got... You know what I mean? I, I lied down next to him and while well, he repeated stories that his grandmother and his kupuna told him and all the chants I learned from him, I learned at temples he took me to. Uh, when I moved in with him, the year after I moved in with him, he took me to Hawaii Island, and we went to every temple that he was trained at. And within that process, I learned every chant, not even being really good. You know? And I learned every chant because I had an experience. It was a total, mm -hmm. there was land, there was temple, there was wind, there was sound, there was the emotion I came with. There was like, you know, the space of my life that I was in, all of that became a memory. So I, I, I don't say I really learned anything from him. How do you, a better word for that? There has to be a better term. Whenever we learn, rhymes with earn, rhymes with like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of it is to like go get a job. And then, like, I, I feel like learn and lure means the same thing in some weird way. Like, you know, <laughs> teach and preach and those words. If I could use some Olelo Hawaii words, it would be easier. It'd be more specific to what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. It's it's almost like um, you see the limitation in, in the English words that, that we have access to. And um, it's more like if you wanted to describe it, like for myself, like I, I would use the word like vibrate in or, you know, energetically. So I, but what is that word? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a feeling. Um, it's, it, it's, it's like in and out, you know, it's, mm -hmm. Yeah. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. 
Hello. <laughs> uh, I know we translate that word in many ways, and all of them are beautiful, and none of them are wrong, especially mm -hmm. with Aloha. In fact, nobody's wrong. I don't want to say when we talk about meaning in language, uh, everything everybody means when they say it is right. Who am I to argue with the universe? So when I look at Aloha, where I, I, I was taught about Aloha, it's more representative about a collective consciousness more than love. We use it in many words. Many statements would have to be mm -hmm. said to actually tell you what Aloha is. We translate it one way because there's not enough time. And if you don't learn the language, then you can't really see the capacity of what it's actually meaning. Like if you break it down, you can break it down alo, meaning presence, and ha, meaning like breath, right? Uh, but I break it down further. Yeah. For us, ah is talking about outside our environment, everything contrary to oh, to, to me, to me existing. Mm -hmm. Anything not peely to me is ah. We use this, it's called a kino ah class. It's right. like subjective and objective, right. you could say. That still doesn't get what I'm trying to mean, though. And then uh, when we look up the word lo, uh, lolo is, we translate it as brain, but lolo is actually anything encased in our bone. Our bone marrow is also lolo. Anything in our EV is lolo. <laughs> so the word lo comes from that word lolo, and that word lo is this part in your forehead. So when we're saying alo, it's mm -hmm. all of this presented here, yeah? And then ha, meaning the breath of life. So when we greet each other, Hawaiians push their foreheads together and they breathe. So it's like sharing aloha, meaning like two separate coming back to one consciousness kind of feeling. And you have, aloha doesn't mean love. Because aloha oi means leave. It's used in that term, right? Aloha ya oi means I love you, but aloha oi means it's hard to explain this in English. It's going to take a lot. I, I, it's going to be misconstrued because I'm going to need a lot more time to explain what I'm talking about. <laughs> so take what I'm saying and oh, like, okay. uh, I'm gonna... top three of what I mean. <laughs> I'm going to invite you here and we're just going to have one show just on Aloha. <laughs> no, we'll just invite everybody here and then we can go and see the places. And watch it all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Chris, yeah. we're going to to move along. Thank you for your for your um, beautiful knowledge on on everything that you spoke about. So now we're going to sequence seven questions. So I'm going to ask you a question and then you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Now I know that we may want to stop and, and, and talk or or say why. Um, feel free to do so. Okay. So your first okay. question is what is your favorite Hawaiian word. Hola. It means life. Um, what is your favorite animal? Dogs. Who was or is your favorite teacher? Wait, let me go back to favorite animal, humans. Okay. <laughs> Who is my favorite teacher? Uh, my kumu, Glenkila. Who is your most admirable indigenous leader? Past, present, and future? Uh, a chief back in the beginning of the birth of what we call Hawaiian culture. Yeah, Miley Kukai. What is your favorite type of music? Rap. Rap? But 
I I gotta I gotta put a asterisk next to this one. I don't listen to rap anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even listen to the old rap I used to listen to mm-hmm. uh, because I understand the power of what I ingest. I'm very careful on what I let my brain program itself to nowadays. With that being said, I rap everything I think about. I like the um, the mechanism of rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I don't necessarily agree personally with even the past or the present of what rap is right now. What profession other than your own would you like to attend? Well, I don't have a profession. So wait, let me say this. This is going to be a longer than the sequence seven. I put <laughs> okay, my okay. job in 2018 to pursue doing everything. Yeah. So I opened an archaeology company. I'm trying to do a dissertation. I don't even have a degree to go get there. You know, I don't think I need it anymore. I'm supposed to be uh, attending the conference in the UN. I built my own house. See, I so like, I think that's the problem. You know, you want to say the jack of all trades, master of none? Jack of all trades, masters, master of none? Yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. And they make <laughs> it sound like a bad thing, right? It's the same. Uh, but the mm-hmm. full saying is jack of all trades, master of none, better than being a master of one. You know, and we specialize so much in a profession. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem in the world. You know, even in our relationships between male and female now, when we look at it, we're trying to go 50-50 with people. And we should be going 100 and 100 with them. Just because we play roles and do things for each other doesn't mean we should have to rely on each other for those things to get done. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I can cook my own food. I can wash my own clothes. I mean, do I appreciate if uh, another woman was to do that or a significant other was to do that for me? Definitely. We're so used to the bondage thing. I'm going to go back to saying that thing. We're so free. We choose bondage. We're, we're chasing it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, no professions. Okay, so um, then that's the sequence six questions because the next question was about a profession. Oh, no, you can pick a profession, but I don't okay. want to say I am one. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, the final question then to make this the full sequence seven, um, what profession would you like to participate in? Teaching, specifically high school and elementary school. Uh, not within the systems that exist now, but... If, if I could have our Marai, which I'm actually working on doing, we're working on building a financial vehicle so I don't need to be at the thumb of any sort of funding. Mm-hmm. And we want to create a Marai system and start training and teaching and sharing our, our perspective with our community and see mm-hmm. what comes. As we come to a close for this afternoon, I just wanted to um, thank you for being here and um sharing yourself with with us and wish you a beautiful rest of the day. Oh, mahalo. And uh, thank you for inviting me and allowing me some time to share. I just like mahalo all of my kupuna and my kumu glenkila for putting me in the place where I'm at today. Mahalo you, Sequin, for uh, providing this platform so we can get some more indigenous information out into the world, uh, network a little bit better. And if anybody is interested, please look us up. Koa Ike Marai Ha'akoa. We're not hard to find. Facebook.
Um, so for viewers and listeners out there, I will put the link on in the comment section. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Uncle, tell Uncle Glenn I said hello. Aloha. I will do. I will do. Have a great, great one, okay? You can find Spring Spirit Nation on seven podcast platforms. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Overcast. Oh wait, Chisqua, we now have a YouTube channel, Spring Spirit Nation.